With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Justin, what's cracking, my man? So, did you happen to hear the rumor about butter? Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't even know. Are you... <laughs> I, I, I don't want to spread it. 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 I knew it was some silly shit like that. No, but but real talk, though, I want to tell you some crazy stuff that happened to me. So I was getting my MacBook fixed because you remember season one of Total BS Podcast. Oh, yeah. I had awful issues. Um, so I went to the Apple Store and somebody robbed the Apple Store No, while I was in there. No. Yeah. I, I was an eyewitness. Ah, <laughs> damn it. Toby has podcast coming up right now. Jesus. Yo, your fans just might turn into our fans. Be cool. It's just a part of this program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You not whack. You just sound whack rapping at the us. For real. <laughs> As you could probably tell, this show is going to be riddled with stupid shit throughout (laughs) (laughs) so my man justin is in the house i am saul bookman thank you for joining us on total bs podcast uh where we just kind of sit around and talk about the sports world and and all the fun things and and even a little bit of things on the side like uh pop culture and, and what have you but the nfl draft started this week obviously on thursday uh one and two went about according to plan uh you know in terms of a trevor lawrence um, and, and homeboy from uh, BYU getting drafted to the Jets, um, Zach Wilson. But uh, once we hit three, that's when things kind of started to shift a little bit. What was your overall impression of everything there, Justin? That number three pick was the one that I had my eye on because of what was going on in Green Bay. And we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. But I saw the San Francisco 49ers have that number three pick. I heard Aaron Rodgers not being happy Rogers. with where he's at in Green Bay. Well, Aaron Rodgers played at Cal. He's a Cali guy. I was certain that the 49ers were going to make a blockbuster trade and they were going to trade that pick to Green Bay, get Aaron Rodgers to come back home and be a San Francisco 49er. But then they kind of shocked the world and picked Trey Lance, the quarterback out of North Dakota State, who's got a great story, um, athleticism. I mean, he's built like a truck and he can run, but he can also sling the ball too. Um, So I'm really excited about what Trey Lance can do as a 49er, but man, I did not think that they were going to take a quarterback. I really thought that they were going to draft somebody else or excuse me, they were going to trade that pick and then get Aaron Rodgers. But Trey Lance, I like the pick. You know, I don't know if I like the pick at all um, in, in terms of, you know, he's an unknown commodity, right? Uh, I'm sorry, I mean, I'm trying people, to fix but people, people said that about Carson Wentz, too, right? Because he was at North Dakota State, was this high-level quarterback, and he ends up going number two. And, you know, say what you want about Carson Wentz, but at one point in time, that man was leading the MVP race before he got hurt. 
Yeah, so, and everything kind of fell apart right after that, for sure. Uh, yeah, he hasn't been the same since. I don't, I don't know. Um, ah. Steve McNair was the last one beside before um, uh, before uh, Carson Wentz to perform at a high level from a Division two school. Um, rest in peace. Uh, but I don't know. I, it, it always it always causes me concern when you're when you take a a quarterback from a from a league that's just you know it's just whatever you know I, I don't know uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of that pick um, in terms of the draft movement overall it, it was it was okay I think the I, honestly the biggest winner of the day was the Chicago Bears and taking Justin Fields in my opinion whether that works out or not I think for Bears fans they wanted to see their team at least attempt something and try to get a quarterback of the future, especially when they dangled Russell Wilson in front of everybody. And then it never came to fruition and they had to set, settle on the, the red rocket um, or the red rifle. <laughs> <Andy> Sorry. <laughs> Andy Dalton, not the red rocket. My bad. Uh, yeah. The, the, the red rifle, Andy Dalton. So uh, I, I like what Chicago did. I'm, I'm a big fan of what they did. The bears have had quarterback issues for the last several years now. They have not had a steady quarterback. And, you know, with getting Nick Foles, I thought that was a smart move because you get a veteran guy who's won a Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl MVP, and he's been in the league. So if you're gonna if you're in win now mode, then you gotta get a guy like Nick Foles. But then there's this back and forth controversy between him and Mitchell Trubisky. And now you turn Nick Foles into this guy who everyone thought was going to be your franchise quarterback for the, the next few years into this overpaid backup quarterback. And now you trade up, you get Justin Fields. Um, and then do you have your franchise quarterback? I mean, you still have Nick Foles. You're, you're still going to pay him $9 million guaranteed. So what are you going to do in that situation? Cause Mitchell Trubisky's not there anymore. Mitchell Trubisky's in Buffalo. So the quarterback room isn't as crowded as a lot of people seem to think. Like a lot of people I've seen on Twitter think that Mitchell Trubisky is still on Chicago for some weird reason. But Justin Fields, to me, was the second best quarterback in this draft, in my personal opinion. I thought Mac Jones was great because he had Jalen Waddell. He had Devontae Smith and all these, you know, number of, of talented wide receivers to come out of Alabama. But but that's no knock on, on Mac. It's just I do believe that the, the quarterbacks that are in this draft, when you look at Justin Fields and what he's accomplished at Ohio State and his athleticism and his skill set and how it complements the um the direction of where the NFL is going with offenses, to me, I just thought Justin Fields behind Trevor Lawrence was the second best quarterback. And that's why I'm surprised he didn't go higher. And when I saw the San Francisco 49ers stick with their pick, I thought they were going to rock the world and pick Justin Fields at number three rather than Trey Lance. Oof. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like that was a smarter pick if they would have gone that route, but you know, Kyle Shanahan clearly thinks highly of himself and how he can develop quarterbacks. I do not agree with, you know, I know there's a lot there's a perception that this is a deep quarterback draft, um, I'm not a fan of anybody, to be honest with you. I like Trevor Lawrence. Um, I do. I liked him better after his freshman year. Uh, I just feel like he kind of plateaued a, a, a bit and uh, not regressed. He just kind of plateaued. And, I mean, that's as good as he was going to get in college, um, which is still phenomenal, right? Like he's, he only lost two games his entire college career. 
Justin Fields bounces from Georgia, goes to to Ohio State, which you got completely question mark, Rick, for that decision to let Justin Fields go from Georgia to Ohio State. That that was that's blasphemy right there. That's that kid is ultra talented. However, yeah. I don't I don't I don't look at any of these quarterbacks and I'm like, oh, this is surefire, like can't miss prospect. I don't I don't know. There's there's a few things about each one of them that I'm like, meh. You know, they could easily be Josh Rosen. Honestly, Josh Rosen, prototypical quarterback prospect. Uh, if he'd left after his freshman year in 2015, uh, he, he'd have been a first, probably first overall pick because he was like the future. A couple years go by. He has an okay college career, not terrible, but he has all the measurables. And where is he now? He's on his third team. He's been a, uh, basically a backup his entire career outside of his first year with the Cardinals. And he hasn't really done anything. So I think for as much as these guys could be like the next Peyton Manning, they could also be the next Josh Rosen. And so I'm not I'm not high on that. I think the best pick that wasn't a quarterback in the draft was clearly at number four in Atlanta. And uh, the, the tight end, Kyle Pitts, that dude's going to be a stud. Yeah, he's a Swiss Army knife and a guy who can just do a little bit of everything. And even if you're – willing to move on from Julio Jones because I know they got an interesting cap situation uh, going into this offseason. Even if you move on from Julio Jones, you still get a guy like Kyle Pitts and then you team him up with a guy like Calvin Ridley and then you give Matt Ryan uh, a chance. And that was actually the pick that I was thinking this is going to determine the direction and where the Falcons are moving because they could have easily picked a quarterback, decided to move on from Matt Ryan and start fresh. But instead they decided to get the best overall player available, which is Kyle Pitts. I want to go back to your point, Saul, about the, the quarterbacks and that class with Josh Rosen, that class also had Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. Hindsight's 2020. We know Sam Darnold is with the Panthers now. Josh Rosen is, I believe, still with the Miami, no, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers, yep. Yeah, he was on the practice squad. Are you more confident, or excuse me, were you more confident in that quarterback class a few years ago than you are in this with this quarterback class this year? Um, No. No. Because Trevor um, Lawrence, number one overall, I mean, we we knew he was going to be the number one pick after his freshman year. Um, to me, he just seems like a better number one overall pick than Baker Mayfield. But beyond that, thoughts? It's about the same, to be honest. Like, uh, you know, I, I think the quarterbacks that get drafted later on might have just as, as good an opportunity as the quarterbacks that were taken in the first round. Like, remember, in that same draft with Baker Mayfield, who else came out? Draft Got drafted Baker by Baltimore. Ba oh, Lamar Jackson. Right? Everybody passed up on him, and Lamar Jackson ends up being the MVP. Like, mm -hmm. so I, I don't know, man. I I, uh, I totally forgot he was in that draft. Yeah, yeah, he uh, – he was drafted number 32 overall. Wow. The very last pick of the first round. So, wow. um, you know, and when we're talking about this draft, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of decent quarterback prospects. Um, you know, Ian book from Notre Dame who hadn't been selected. I don't know if he's gotten selected yet today. Um, you know, a, a quarterbacks that maybe you don't think much of, but they, they might make some noise in the NFL. And I feel like when you, when you compare those guys to like a Zach Wilson, who didn't even, you know, he, 
he had a drop drop a bucket in the in in college and played at BYU and BYU didn't really play anybody last year. Like, all right. And then you have you know Trey Lance. Eh, okay, well that those are two very largely unproven commodities when you're talking about like playing against NFL type competition at the college level. So we'll see. The jury remains out. But mm. we do know one one person that is a surefire Hall of Famer, can't miss prospect. And it's proven it time and time again. That's uh, last year's MVP, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. And boy, whoa. Hey, Aaron. <laughs> he tried to steal the show on uh, Thursday. And he did it an hour before the draft started. You, you just sit there and you shake your head because, you know, out of all the times that you could have decided to make a, a move – and get the franchise to ship you off or make a deal. You do it an hour before the draft. He looked at he looked at Tim Tebow because Tim Tebow earlier that day had a yeah. workout with the Jacksonville Jaguars to be a tight end, which I really want to see happen. I'm telling you what, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, really the whole state of Florida is going to be an interesting scene in the NFL next year because you have Tua, Jalen Waddell, and the Miami Dolphins and the direction that they're going. You got the defending Super Bowl champions with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then you have that team. Um, man, I, I listen. I think going back to Aaron Rodgers, though, he's going to retire. Oh, he's going to retire. No, and, and 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 then he's going to come back. <laughs> no, he's he's going to do exactly what. Rob Gronkowski did, but he's not going to sit out for a year. He's going to retire and going to find a way to come back and go with another team. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, if what I'm reading is true, and Adam Schefter came on ESPN right before the draft, all you know, huddled in, in his big old coat, and was like, Aaron Rodgers is disgruntled. He wants out. If, if Schefter says it, it's got to be true. And and listen, I don't. How do I explain this? <laughs> how do I explain this? I kind of feel for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I, I I really do because look at what happened in the NFC Championship. I would have been gone right after that point when they kicked the field goal instead of going for it and then giving the ball back to Tom Brady with just a couple minutes left in the game. That right there says, like, okay, we're not playing to win. In previous drafts, you have not drafted wide receivers. You have not been proactive in the market to give me weapons and make our offense all around better. Even though we've been competitive, we've been in tight playoff games, and we've had deep runs, this front office has not done enough to get the Packers over the hump. And if I'm Aaron mm -hmm. Rodgers, I would have been gone yesterday. Seriously. And... Where will he go? I was thinking the San Francisco 49ers, but who knows? But I, I think it's uh, for sure a 100% thing that Aaron Rodgers has done in Green Bay. But Ooh, ooh, all right. Okay, hot take. You taking that You taking that action in, in Vegas? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, right. because you, you never know. Uh, I was 100% certain that Russell Wilson was going to be gone. Uh, yeah. from Seattle, and I thought he was going to be the next quarterback of the Chicago Bears. And then next thing you know, Pete Carroll comes out on a podcast or an interview and says, look, all that issue, that all the issues that we had with Russell 
we patched it over. Russell's our quarterback, and we're ready to move on. Pete Carroll is very much uh, a good salesman when it comes to that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. You know, in both of those scenarios, money plays a big factor. Number one, with uh, Russell Wilson specifically, after this year, then if Seattle wants to move on, they won't have to pay such a high um, uh, cost in, in order to get rid of him. I think it's something like $43 million or something like that. I, I can't remember the figure, but it's more lucrative for them to hold on to him this year and then get rid of him than to have gotten rid of him this year. With Aaron Rodgers, the same thing. They, the Packers would take a $22 million hit if they released him before June 1st. That plays a factor. That absolutely plays a factor. So I think Aaron Rodgers is going to get moved. I don't because he's he's he doesn't want to talk to these dudes. They've come over, they've tried to you know smooth everything over, and Aaron Rodgers is like, yeah, I hear you, but still, you know, go after yourself. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't, I don't like it here. This isn't the first time that the Green Bay Packers have completely you know jaded uh, a legendary quarterback. They did the same thing with Brett Favre, got rid of him. He went to the Vikings and then, or the Jets and then the Vikings. Um, you know, and so it's it's not it's not unusual for that franchise to completely gaff this. So I think they're going to wait until after June first, and then I think Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded to the Denver Broncos. That's what I think is going to happen. Oh man, don't say that. I, I'm I, yeah, I know you don't want to hear that, buddy, but I, I I think that you know, and that was the rumor uh, they had all but done the deal on on draft night, according to several sources, um, to go to Denver. But I think it made more sense to just wait another month, let June first pass by. Let every let the, the the Green Bay Packers be able to save that twenty two mil, and then ship Aaron Rodgers off to uh, to Denver, where he can try to rekindle some of that Peyton Manning magic, and then get Teddy Bridgewater. Like, what do you get in return if you're the Green Bay Packers? I don't think I don't draft, think you're I don't think picks. you're willing to get. I mean, are are you officially going to begin the Jordan Love era? Yeah, and that's also and that's also another yes. reason why Aaron Rodgers is kind of or should be upset they got jordan love in the second round last year yeah so I, no i i absolutely think um you know it, it, like i i absolutely think that that that's what the the, the direction they're going to go jordan love the jordan love era is starting next year whether you like it or not green bay it's happening so we'll see. Uh, you know, moving on to other topics, the uh, National Basketball Association is winding down. Only two more weeks left in the season. You got your Lakers back. You got your your squad healthy, and the gang is all ready to go, except for the fact that they lost last night to the Sacramento <laughs> Kings. The but there's a new king in the West right oh now. God. The number one overall seed as we oh, speak in the moment is not clinched. Let's be real about that. I think – Last night on social media, you could you probably were confused because you would have thought that the Suns clinched the number one seed, but they did not clinch the number one seed. They are just tied for the one seed, and they own the tiebreaker over the Utah Jazz since they beat them all three times they put, faced them this year. But the Phoenix Suns are the number one seed as we speak at the moment in the West. Justin, what are your thoughts? The, the last time the Phoenix Suns finished with the best record in the NBA, I Steve was I, I was just a young boy. This, this is awesome. I am all for it. As much shit as I give you for being a Suns fan compared to, you know, the 17-time world champions, Los Angeles Lakers that are just so glorious and they're the, the greatest franchise in all the professional sports. All they Which I appreciate that you... 
I, I, I also do appreciate the fact that you have offset the one of the greatest franchises of all time with the Chargers, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, somebody, uh, for all you Harry Potter fans, I forgot who it was, but somebody in high school told me, you're a Chargers fan? That's like liking Hufflepuff and Harry Potter. <laughs> it's just <laughs> such a random team that's just there. Nobody really cares about them. The Washington Generals of the NFL, yes. <laughs> the Washington Generals. Always lose. Always lose. Um, the, yeah, the Chargers are just always there. You know, they, they are good enough to make the playoffs, but they're not bad enough to have a high draft pick. They're just they're just always there. But anyways, back to my point. As much shit as I give you for being a Suns fan, and I give shit to all the Suns fans here living in Arizona just because, you know, I can do that. Even in the years when the Lakers were just absolutely god-awful, the Suns were just as bad. Now... Everything has completely turned, and it's all because of the point god himself. Oof. Mr. Mr. Chris Paul, I mean, you're not going to give him uh, Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, okay, you said oof. I was oh, like, yeah, but it's not just because of him. Oh, yeah, sure. But he was a major domino added and a big reason why they're in this position. And, you know, we said this when they first signed him. And I, we got to go back and find that episode because I was all about the signing because Chris Paul took the Oklahoma City Thunder at a time when they shipped off when they shipped off Paul George to the Clippers and they had all these young guys and Shea Gilgis Alexander was their best player. Lou Dort, an undrafted free agent, was one of their better players. And the next thing you know, they add Chris Paul and they're in the playoffs. Yeah. when they never should have even been in the, that position in the first place. The Phoenix Suns go 8-0 in the bubble. They look great. Devin Booker is looking like this young, high-profile scorer. DeAndre Ayton is starting to mold into a, an, a walking double-double. All they needed was just that veteran who could control everything but also be that mentor to these young guys in the locker room. And what Chris Paul has done to that culture – is just great. And also, I think a, a big guy that should get some credit that doesn't get a lot of credit, at least from what I've seen, our guy, Monty Williams, the head coach. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the franchise as a whole is completely it's, it's great. turned around. You know, it's completely turned around. Monty Williams is a big, big factor in that. So is James Jones. Uh, those each could be executive and coach of the year. Uh, and, and Chris Paul should should definitely get some love for the MVP conversation. I think, honestly, I, I'm biased, obviously, but I think behind Jokic, I think it's Chris Paul. I don't think there's another player in the league that has meant more to his team than Chris Paul. Chris Paul coming in and really educating this team on what it, what it takes to be a, a winner, okay? The professionalism day in, day out. Um, you know, how it, it's something to come from a coach, right? It's something to come from Monty Williams and it helps that Monty Williams was a former player. Let's be real. But Monty Williams was never like an all-star. He wasn't like an elite player, right? Chris Paul is. And so when you have somebody like, uh, Monty Williams, who has been there, done that, but not at that level and hasn't had to carry that burden, like, like Chris Paul has as a, you know, as a, as a franchise lead E, um, it means a lot. And then you then you bring in Chris Paul. And Chris Paul is like, okay, Monty's telling you this. And this is how you're going to get here. 
And this is why it matters. And this is what I do to get there. And so when you put those two pieces together, now you have a Devin Booker who's like, oh, okay, that's what it takes to be elite. Um, Mikhail Bridges coming around like one of the best defensive players in the, in the, in the country. Also, um, you know, a, a future star, uh, DeAndre Aiden's defense has been phenomenal this year. He's one of the, he's one of the best defensive bigs in the, in the league now. Uh, and I don't know if we ever thought we would see that at, at some point. Um, and it, when his offense finally catches up, he's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Wasn't that one of his biggest knocks coming out of college? Defense, man, he, yeah. he's a great player, but man, that defensive motor. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, and that's because yeah. Sean Miller teaches the pack line defense, which is a trash defense. I don't like it. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, and so you so you put all those things together, and and now you see the impact that Chris Paul has, and that that's why I think Chris Paul has has the influence. Now, I will also say this: um, Devin Booker deserves some of the love here. You know, he's he's been doing it for half a decade, all by himself, basically. And, and now that Chris Paul's in the fold, you can see it. You know, we got into a discussion last week on the Sun Solar Panel podcast. We talked about the fact that, that Devin Booker was, you know, basically come to, coming down the stretch, it was a 1-4 ISO. One, one uh, uh, you know, four guys basically straddling the baseline and then Devin Booker at the top, one-on-one. Um, and when they played the Bucks, it just didn't work. He got lucky, he got bailed out by a foul. They, he had a free throw, they win by one against Milwaukee. Um, and I'm not a big fan of, of those possessions because I feel like it's it's too easy to predict what Devin Booker's going to do. CP3 of late, especially this week against uh, the Knicks specifically, man, and against you know he he he's that added piece, and he can make a, a variety of different decisions. He can score on you, he can pass, he's going to find the open guy, he's going to set guys up for success. And I think that was the missing piece. And so now you have two pieces of the puzzle who can come through in the clutch. And I just, man, this team, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Every time I think about the Suns, I'm like, is there a shoe that's going to drop? I, I don't know. I don't know. This team could very well go all the way to the NBA Finals, and they could very well be bounced in the first round. I don't know. I I wager to bet it's going to be somewhere in the middle, probably you know, a second round or Western Conference Finals. Um, but the way that things have fallen in the West, it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility that they can make the finals. Now, can they win the World Championship? That is that is highly dependent on how far the New Jersey Nets go and only the New Jersey Nets because I think the Suns can compete with every team outside of the New Jersey Nets, just like Brooklyn. I mean, when when you have that three-headed monster, it's almost impossible to beat them if they're all playing together. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of things at stake here. The Suns have had a phenomenal year. They should be proud. Their franchise should be proud. Their fans should be proud. Um, and I'm one of them, and it's great to see. You know, I get goosebumps when I think about, man, three years ago when DeAndre Aiden got drafted and they had a 17-win season with Igor Kokoshkov as the head coach. It was a dumpster fire. It was awful. It was it was not fun to watch. It was horrible to cover. And now this team is one of the best in the league. And why? Because Robert Sarver, and I'm going to give him credit, he deserves the credit. He took it upon himself to say, you know what? Things aren't going right. 17 wins is trash. So we got to do something. And they had already brought James Jones in to kind of shadow Ryan McDonough. They bring in him. They they bring in Lance Blakes, who has some, some GM experience behind him. 
and they revamped this roster. They revamped the coaching staff. They bring in Monty Williams, which was the best thing they could have ever done. He is so respected by so many people, and he has such a, a an aura about him that is so confident and also so positive with 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 the combination of being direct. Justin, one of the things about you know, I'm not trying to compare myself to Monty Williams, but one of the things I think you could appreciate me is I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm going to tell you like it is, but I still love you. You know what I mean? For like, sure. hey, you know, like, hey, that was that was not very good. This is the way you could have improved it. Um, so let's not have a trash segment like that again. Cool, got you, and we move on. You know I, I mean? know, I know exactly. That's exactly what you're going to tell me <laughs> later on. You'd be like, hey, that shit you said it during the NFL draft. <laughs> Yo, that no. was whack, man. Let's move <laughs> on. Yeah, no. So, um, so, and that's why I think the Suns are in a, a very, very good place. Um, they've even changed a little bit of their ownership. People forget that Larry Fitzgerald is part of their ownership uh, group now. That's right, uh, and he has a he has ownership stakes. So you have good fundamental pieces and good people with good business sense and good um, character that are in that franchise that are trying to revamp it from what it was. And so it, it's it's uh, going to be interesting to see where the Suns go as they move forward. But in the meantime, uh, we have a little bit of baseball to talk about, and in the house is now. From the athletic, one Mr. Fabian Ardaya. Fabian, Fel- I hope I got that right, right? Uh, Fabian. Fabian. Yeah. Damn it. No. I knew I was going to screw that up. You're all good. You're all good. Fellow Fabian Suns Ardaya. fan. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. But he's also an ASU guy. So it's like, yeah, all right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Fabian, how you doing today? Good. How are you guys? Oh, you know, just living the dream out here. Total BS podcast. So, uh, Justin, uh, Justin, uh, thank you for getting Fabian. Fabian, thank you for uh, f- spending a few moments with us. Um, let's just go ahead and start off here. Uh, no hitter or no no hitter, seven inning no hitters. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. I mean, I honestly, I feel like if you're going to call it a complete game, yeah, I, I have a hard time like rationalizing not calling a no-hitter. If you're going to call that a complete game, if you're going to call what Zach Gallon pitched literally earlier that same day, a one-hitter. Uh, ultimately, I think uh, it's just something that Major League Baseball is going to have to figure out some sort of a solution to. If you're going to have these seven-inning games, it's an, it was going to be inevitable that one of these games was going to happen eventually, especially seeing... Now, how many times in a nine-inning game you get like the no-hitter alert once it gets through six? Like that's gonna leave a lot of opportunities for that. So, whether it's creating a separate category or whatever, like there's gonna, probably going to be a way that they're gonna have to find a way to work around this unintended consequence. Have you been surprised at um, right? What's what's been the biggest surprise for you this season so far? I know you cover the Angels predominantly, or at least the West Coast uh, quite a bit, but uh, I know you're heavily involved with the Angels as well. Um, what's been the biggest surprise so far here in the early part of the season? Um, I think it's, I think it's the adjustment to 162 games again. Uh, I think it's it's a little bit different, like how you consume baseball. I know it was like this one really like short burst 60 game season last year, and it was weird, like how immediate you sort of felt that, uh, like all right, like one really rough stretch for a team, like oh, that's gonna have like, really severe consequences for their chances to make the playoffs, even with an expanded postseason field. This year it's a little bit different. I think uh, fan reactions we've seen like some of the negative fan reactions when there's a bad slide, like even like with the Yankees. Obviously, when you see their fans throwing baseballs into the field, like oh, sorry, they're still gonna make the playoffs. Like they're still they still have probably the best like statistical odds to make the playoffs. They have chances to make up that ground. And you have teams like the Twins, the White Sox that are below 500. Those are two teams that I probably pegged at being towards the top of the American League. Uh, so I feel like. 
the opportunity to for t- these teams to sort of make up that ground. I think if you're like looking at last year, all of a sudden you're looking at like the Dimebacks are 14 12, the Mariners are 15 12. All of a sudden you're looking at these teams like, all right, they're probably going to make the playoffs. Like they would have to really collapse to not make the playoffs at that point. And all of a sudden now you're all of a sudden recognizing again that it's 162 games. You can make a lot of injuries, especially building back up, and a lot of stuff still going to change. So it's been a year and a, half, a season and a half of not really knowing how much of a sample size is enough to really know what's real and what's not. And it's uh, I'm looking forward to like May, June, when at least we have a better idea of that. So you covered the Angels and other West Coast teams uh, last season. You were a part of the COVID-19 affected season. What was that experience like? And then what's it like compared to this year? Uh, I will say I am glad I don't have to be in a stadium that has no fans and has artificial crowd noise. I would have rather had no crowd noise at all. I get why they did it. I get that they had to do something for players, like just to get any sort of adrenaline going. But it's really surreal to be sitting in a press box and knowing that there's noise coming and there's no one that's producing that noise. It's very, like, very surreal. Um, Last year, I mean, it's still an adjustment doing everything over Zoom, everything like that, and not really getting to monitor a clubhouse, walk around a clubhouse, stuff like that, because that's one of the things I love about covering baseball is just how much access you get on a day-to-day basis. Now, all of a sudden with Zoom, it sort of feels like I'm covering college football again, where like you you get the players, you're designated to get per the day, uh, you talk <laughs> to them in a group setting, and that's about it. Uh, so uh, that's something that's been taking some adjusting to, but I feel like there's still like ways to work around that and... I mean, it's it's definitely been different, and I, I think it's been different for multiple reasons besides just obviously baseball and everything like that. But like, it's it's definitely been an interesting couple of years. Best a- moment, best moment, real quick, best moment in a clubhouse since covering Major League Baseball. Uh, it's hard to say. Like, it's hard to say because like so much of them are just like little moments, like having just the side conversations that lead to big stories later on and stuff like that. It, it's hard. Uh, I guess if I had to go like a little bit more lighthearted, I think it was like after uh, Shohei Otani became the first Japanese player ever to hit for the cycle. I mean, we were talking to him and we're like wandering back to the clubhouse because we got him first. Uh, they wanted to do it separately first. So basically everyone had vacated the clubhouse at that point. Uh, but uh, one of the few guys that was left was David Fletcher because he, he was still eating. And he was just like having uh, like this trust electric cake in front of him. And like we're just talking to him and it's like, uh, we were talking about Shohei, and then we brought up his uh, his interpreter, Ipe Muzuhara, and he said, like, oh, Ipe and Shohei? Like, Shohei speaks English. He doesn't need Ipe. And that sort of thing. <laughs> like, obviously, he needs Ipe and stuff like that. Like, Shohei's uh, English has gotten a lot better over the years, but, like, he still needs Ipe. But it's just really funny, like, just the, the back and forth, because I know he and Dave Fletcher have a good relationship. For sure. If you have uh, – if we're starting a franchise today, I'm going to put you on the spot. And you have Jacob DeGrom, Mike Trout, Ronald Acuna Jr., or Fernando Tatis. Who are you starting your franchise with? Uh, I'm starting with the two guys who are younger, probably, uh, just because uh, you want to try to build around those guys. I mean, Mike Trout, it's hard to say not Mike Trout. Hard, hard not to say Mike Trout. Uh, I mean, Jacob DeGrom's pitching at a level that we haven't yeah. seen in years, but I mean, he's still he's so 33 years old. He's 33 years old, which is harder for like harder really realize. Like he's in his 30s. Like he's He's about the same age as Clinton Kershaw, which if you think about their careers, like they're in completely different stages, it seems, in their careers. Even though Clinton Kershaw is still pitching at elite level basically ever since everyone said that he was washed. He still pitched like at a level he's going to get Cy Young votes. Um, 
It's so it has to be between uh, Tatis and Ronald Acuna Jr. And I love Tatis. I love everything he's been able to do uh, in his time in the big leagues so far. And I think obviously playing shortstop that's going to be an impact position. Uh, the shoulder stuff still scares me. I know that like Cody Bellinger had a similar issue, and it seems like his health it, in that regard is uh, not going to be a concern long term. But I, I still feel like I would go. Uh, Acuna, just because, like, there, I feel like there's still something there that we haven't fully tapped into, and he's. Pro- it seems like he's starting to do that a little bit this year, where like a 40-40 season seems like it's definitely within his grasp. He almost had it a couple of years ago, and I, I'd imagine that we would get one uh, soon. Why don't we appreciate Mike Trout more, Bobby? And let's do- no, and uh, we had this d- debate uh, a couple podcasts ago. I feel like. If you can go in anywhere in Los Angeles and you were to go into a mall, I feel like more people are more likely to recognize Alex Caruso, the backup point guard for the LA Lakers, than a guy like Mike Trout. Am I crazy for thinking that, or what's your thoughts on just Mike Trout and his presence in the sports world? Well, I think part of that is baseball standing in the sports world. Like I think people recognize NBA guys more than uh, NBA guys and probably NFL guys more than wait significantly more than baseball players do in general. Like I feel like there's a very select group of baseball players, like even a Fernando Tatis Jr. Like he's the face of baseball right now. And he, yeah. I'm not sure how many guys would recognize him outside of San Diego right now. Like, I think it, that's a big part of it. And I think part of it also is like, it's just the, the way Mike Trout's excellence sort of displays itself. It, it's not with, I mean, he will make great flashy highlight real plays, but, the real secret to why he's so great isn't because of his ability to make these crazy plays. Cause there's so many talented uh, athletes who are playing baseball now who are able to make these kind of plays. It's just the fact that he's able to do it day in and day out. His bad days are still like over two with a couple of walks. Like, and that's not necessarily going to be the most uh, like, that's not necessarily gonna be the most inspiring thing ever, but it's not like, even then it's like baseball, like, a guy is not going to go and regularly hit three homers in a game. It's not going to be like Steph Curry going for like 12 threes regularly or like he's sure. going off. So like it's the the excellence of Mike Trout, it comes from seeing him every single day. And yeah. that's the thing that's tough about it. Like it, it's an every single day kind of grind of a sport. So it's not necessarily as many. I mean, it, you would feel like there's more opportunities to talk about, but it's not, it's not really as much. That's why like I feel like the guys that we talk about and that sort of, Similar regard to we talking about like when we're talking about basketball players within baseball are usually pitchers just because like you see them once a week and they have more control over the game than a guy who gets four bats. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, you know, earlier last week, uh, Trevor Bauer um, didn't get into it, but you know they were he was kind of talking <laughs> trash uh, along with uh, Fernando Tatis or Fernando Tatis was kind of showing up things. Um, but Trevor Bauer's response. Now, if you know Trevor Bauer, you know he loves a, a good shit talking. Um, but <laughs> Trevor Bauer basically said, like, yeah, I love the fact that he was showboating after he hit a home run. Like he should. Like if you serve one up, like you deserve it. Like that's how it goes. And um, to me, I think that's kind of the missing part of this is that, uh, you know, kind of to your point, baseball could do a much better job of of really embracing that kind of flair and that kind of style, and people want to see that. That's the difference between the NBA, the NFL, and, um, and Major League Baseball. What are your thoughts on, you know, showboating after a homer? Or even, hey, if you, if you, if you strike somebody out, like, 
trash talk them. It's okay. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a cognitive dissonance between like pl- players are wanting to do that. I think more players are okay with that than not. And I feel like you're seeing more of that happening. But I think between that and the league's marketing, which is also shifting in that direction, like they're marketing that sort of stuff, but also like their disciplinary side where, I mean, you see like yeah. Nick Castellanos where he basically just pumps his chest and he gets two-game suspension. Like just because the bench is cleared as a result. But like, I feel like that's the sort of stuff that like it's still like – I mean, it's interesting. It's stuff that's interesting for the sport. And I think on the whole, it's good for the sport if guys are able to express themselves and like show themselves. And I think more pitchers than not, you'll talk to them like, yeah, like you, you hit one off me. Like, yeah, the, the, hitting's really hard. Uh, pitching's really hard. I feel like you have any of those opportunities to have those, that sort of success. Yeah, you should definitely celebrate it. Like, I don't know why. Like, it's a lot of just sort of. Uh, really baked in ideas that only are exist in American baseball. If you look at it in Korea, you look at it in Japan, you look at it uh, in the Dominican winter league. Uh, it's all commonplace there and it's great there. It's just, for some reason it's baked in uh, to how American baseball has been played. And I think it's something that's going to change. So nearly 30 games are in place. Uh, the first batch of games have already happened. Overall thoughts on just the season. Any contenders, surprise teams, just give us a breakdown of what you've seen this season. I know they haven't been able to hit for a week, but I still think, I mean, the Dodgers have been uh, a juggernaut for ever, and especially the last couple of years. And just seeing what they did this winter, having them take a look at what the Padres did, and then re- like their reaction is to blow past the luxury tax when no one else will. Like That shows like they, they see that this is their time. Uh, and, I mean, it seems like they're destined to do that right now. I mean, they've had a lot of injuries, especially to their bullpen. That's going to hurt them a lot. Uh, they haven't had Cody Bellinger for most of the year. But uh, when that lineup's really firing, you're going to have Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, and then Justin Turner, Max Muncy. Like that's, and then keep going down the list. Like Will Smith is one of the most underrated players in the game. Like, yeah, that's going to be really hard for anyone to compete with. Um I think you're seeing some of the other teams that we thought of in that light. Like they're also off to really bad starts. Often, like the Yankees are off to a really bad start. The Braves are off to a really bad start. Uh, I mentioned before the Twins and the White Sox aren't off to great starts. Uh, so it's stuff that's going to sort itself out. But I feel like the talented teams I still believe in, just because like they have so much talent, and the Dodgers are sort of at the top of that list. Awesome. Well, Fabian, we or Fabian, sorry. Uh, we, we appreciate you joining us here today on the Total BS podcast. Thanks for your insights and uh, thanks for taking us uh, a few minutes with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank that's you. Fabian Ardai. You. you can find him on The Athletic. Uh, he, he, I mean, he's a tremendous writer and uh, you can follow him on Twitter as well. He's a good follow. He's got great insights. Uh, he's a former Sun Devil, but, you know, we won't hold that against him. He, uh, he knows what he's talking about and he's super young. Like, that's the other thing that, like, you know, this kid is, like, almost straight out of Cronkite in at to the athletic. That's how good he is yeah. as a writer, um, how good of a personality he is. And so, yeah, definitely uh, worth the follow. Um, go ahead. Saul, I feel like we've had more Sun Devils on Total BS Podcast than Wildcats. Oh, I don't know about that. We had Matt Lively that. on. Mm-hmm. We had um, – who else do we have on? Gilbert, right? 
Oh yeah, Steve Gilbert. Yeah, Steve Gilbert. Yeah. Steve Gilbert. Yeah. He's a Sun Devil. Yeah. Now Fabian Ardaya. Fabian yeah. Ardaya. Yeah. Uh, you might be. You might be onto something. Oh man. I'm not sure. Yeah. We know more Sun Devils than Wildcats. That's a problem, man. Yeah, but no, because we've had Espo. We've had Corey Williams. I'm sure there's another one that I'm forgetting as well, but um, oh, we're all true. Wildcats. Plus, well, both of us are Wildcats, so that's four to three right there. Sure. <laughs> one, but, thing I, one thing I forgot to ask was top baseball movie of all time. I know you're a big-time movie guy. I know you talk about movies on your six different podcasts that you do. I, I used to do, yes, yes. Favorite favorite baseball movie? Major League. Easily. Yeah, that's number one. Easily. My kind of team. Yeah, for sure. My kind for of sure. Team. That's right. my kind of team. My, yep, absolutely. My kind of team. We just give them big old shit burger to eat. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it. But uh, hey, we're gonna get to we're gonna we're gonna wrap this show up with the best segment ever. That's right, baby. We're doing dad jokes today on the Told BS podcast. Uh, I just felt like, you know, this is a good way to just kind of wrap it all up. And I hope you like the graphic too. I don't know if you saw the old, uh, cranky white man in the, in the corner, but I think that's pretty funny. And so here we go. Uh, dad jokes, uh, Justin, you want to lead it off or you want me to, I did my eyewitness and I know you did. You, you like, you already like blew it spreading. all the way at the beginning. Like you gotta, you yeah, gotta pace so, yourself. Hey, so this so is the, how go. we're going to construct this. All right. So the way we're going to construct this is, is Justin and I each get two, uh, two dad jokes to tell. Uh, and we try not to, you gotta try not to break essentially. Right. And so, uh, That's so yeah, I, I'll, I'll absolutely go first. All right. Okay. Ready? Let me okay. hear it. Let me hear it. <laughs> I got. I got. I got. Keep me. it straight for us. I got to keep it straight face. Sorry, Justin. Did you hear about the uh, or uh, the noise ordinance problems in Hawaii? <laughs> I did not. So now you cannot laugh uh, above a certain decibel level. So you can only give aloha. <laughs> That's pretty good. I thought you were like instructing me to tell me like, hey, you can't laugh a certain level or else that's a point for me. And then it went to the dad joke. I love it. Aloha. All right. Your turn, sir. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. <laughs> I have so many. Uh, do you know Mike Tyson's favorite rock band? <laughs> Kith. <laughs> I don't know if that's a dad joke. I don't know if that's a dad joke either, but it's funny as hell. Oh, my gosh. Uh, All right. I got two more, actually. All right. So here's one. Uh, (laughs) What did Tennessee? Oh. Uh, The same thing, Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh yeah, go ahead. Okay. What do you call a teddy bear without teeth? <laughs> a gummy bear. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. I like. It. Uh, oh, why do some couples go to the gym? <laughs> to work things out. They want their relationship to work out. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. close. Nice, nice. All right. All right, last one, Justin. What you got? Um, 
Oh man. All right. I used to run a dating service for chickens, but I was struggling to make hens meet. <laughs> Mm. No, that didn't stick. Nah. That didn't stick. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. One more, one more. You only get three, man. You only get three. Damn. You got to use that for next week. Oh, man. Justin, that was fun. That was fun. That was a good. Nice little segment. Nice little light note to, to end the show on. Uh, but as as always, folks, uh, this is the Total BS Podcast. And you, Justin, tell them where to find us. The official center of dad jokes. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any podcasting platform that you listen to podcasts, we are on it. So search Total BS Podcast, smash that subscribe button, leave a rate and review, share with all your friends, and also please follow Total BS Podcast on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch page. Also, selfish plug, uh, we got to congratulate our man Justin Spears from for getting back on the air this this upcoming uh, was it this upcoming week or this upcoming weeks? week on this Monday? Week. Yeah, it is back going down. ES, ESPN Tucson back on his show three to six every single day Arizona time. So if you get a moment to go stream it, uh, you should definitely check it out. It's always good content, especially if you're a U of A person because that's Thank basically you. all they talk about. So that's all we talk about. And <laughs> Saul will be a guest depending on when he's available. Hopefully, it's weekly. I want him daily, but I know he's a busy man. But the thing that I love about all the platforms that we have is that we can all get to share with each other. And Total BS Podcast is going to be on live radio. So Total BS is going to be everywhere, but you also get your dose of Total BS every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. So thank you for the plug, man. I appreciate yeah, of course, you. man. Of course, man. Proud of you. I'm happy it all worked out and you got back on the airwaves. And uh, Ari Farang is a good friend of the show. He's uh he's he's been on for the the draft special that we did, and he's hilarious. He's got great insights. He's very witty. Like, um, and he also does great work with the Nova Home Loans Bowl, bowl uh, the Arizona Bowl. Mm-hmm. Wait, the Arizona Bowl, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm excited to hear you guys uh, get back to it, and uh, I'm I'm happy for you. I know you were itching to get back to to doing something like that again, so that'll be great. And but until next time, we got a lot of things coming your way, and as usual, just uh, you can subscribe and and listen to the sh- to the show and the podcast, and we'll be back next week for some more total BS. Until next time, Peace. we'll see you when we see you. Peace. Yo, your fans just might turn into our fans. Be cool, it's just a part of this program. Bet 16 if you must, you not whack, you just sound whack, rapping at the up.